Welcome to this edition of the God is Your Life broadcast. This is Reverend Mark Slay inviting you to join me for the next few minutes as we get into the Word of God. Deuteronomy 30, 20 tells us to love the Lord your God, obey His voice, and to hold tight to Him. For this is your life. I'll be back in a few minutes, but for now, let's listen as I teach from the Word. I felt like, I do now, I felt like crying. I thought, you idiot. <laughs> you idiot. The Holy Ghost, how desperately the Holy Ghost was just trying to comfort them in some way, and this just goes to show how he is, and I didn't obey. But there have, I haven't always been that stupid. I have tried to improve a little bit over the past few years to try to obey, and sometimes I have, even when it was seemed hard against my mind to do things, but I have, and, and obeyed, and thank God try to do better. But exhortation in verse 8 is a ministry. He who gives with liberality. Aren't we all supposed to give? Doesn't the Bible tell? Oh yeah, the Bible teaches we're all supposed to give. But he's talking about ministries here. He's talking about somebody who's called to that type of a ministry. God wants to bless them for this specific purpose to funnel money into the body of Christ in a large way. You know, not everybody will be able to give $1,000 a week to a church. And that's okay. That's, maybe, that's not their call, necessarily. But, sure, we're all supposed to get, but God's talking about a ministry here. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I'll go over to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and let me just, there, and then we'll skip over to 1 Corinthians, the twelfth. Notice he calls it there a ministry of mercy. A ministry of mercy, because he's about the, the most prominent ministry of mercy that I can think of in this city anyway. There are other ministries like him. I don't mean that he's the only one doing what he's doing, but he sure is doing what he's doing well. It's a ministry of mercy. He is taking people that have absolutely no ability to help themselves and really would not help themselves much if somebody didn't just have mercy on them and help them. These are not people that are, that are qualified or people to do a lot of things that even the least thing for themselves. These are, these are people that are completely undeserving of any kind of help, but yet he is having mercy on someone. Many of them ungrateful. Many of them just go right on and accept the, the graciousness and go right away without even, without even taking time to thank him for what he's doing. That's another story in itself. I worked, I worked down there one year. I may have told you this. I don't know if I did or not. I worked down there. Uh, one year in their, uh, maybe two years, I can remember one or two years, but I worked on their winter patrol where I would go and pick up the homeless from abandoned buildings and bus stops and uh, any place else we could find them. And you talk about an experience in life. My, 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 my. You have never in all of your wildest dream could ever imagine that was a winter. What I did on my winter vacation. Holy cow. You say, weren't you afraid? Well, back then I was a little larger than I am now. And, and uh, I just asked the Lord to help me. Because you'd go into some places that, you know, you just never knew. But uh, meet some people that you just never knew. And I won't take time to share some of those stories. But it was, I'm really glad he's got that call. I'll keep mine. 
Verse 7 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. But to each one of us, grace was given. See, there's that word again. Grace. Grace. Was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Notice the word gift and grace again. See, you can't give a grace to yourself. You can't earn a grace. You can't work for a grace. And you can't work for a gift. It's given to you. It's picked for you. It's given. Therefore, he says, when he, that is Jesus, ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now he's talking about a different gift there. Could be the same gift, but it could be, a, you're talking about individual gifts, but now he's talking about giving gifts to men. You think, oh, well, he's talking about giving each individual a, a gift. Well, he, he may have inferred that in the seventh verse, but that's not the gift he's talking about there. In that verse, he gave gifts to men. He explains that in the next few verses, not till 11. And he gave, what, did the, what are the gifts that he gave to men? He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. What for? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to a measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, don't be tossed about. Like children, here and there by waves and every wind of doctrine, I'm just skipping over some things, and by the trickery and craftiness of men and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, that's all of us, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part which causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Do you see the specific call for each person mentioned there and how the body functions and builds itself up because all the other parts are doing their part? You could easily see the reverse of that would be no good. But he gave some apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Somebody said, well, that's all the, the ministries there are. No, we just read some in, in Romans, the 12th chapter. He didn't mention all the ministries. Now, he's talking about here the five-fold ministry, you know, pulpit ministry as we call it. But that's not all the ministries there are. There are ministries of giving. There are ministries of mercy. There are other ministries as well. And there are, you know, ministries of teaching, as he mentioned, in his teaching. You understand that you could be called to be a pastor, but not also stand in the office of a teacher, though you would teach. Do you understand? Not all pastors are called to be teachers. They will teach, just like other ministries, like an evangelist. Some evangelists will teach, but that doesn't mean they stand in both offices. There's an anointing that goes with a teaching office. And it can be different. And even the prophets. There could be prophets that teach, but they wouldn't necessarily stand in that office of a teacher also. Though they could teach and though they could preach. Now in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, Paul says a little more. You say, ah, that's a lot of verses. Well, we could skip them and we could dismiss, but I want to introduce it and then we'll pick up next time as we go further. 1 Corinthians, 12th chapter. 12th verse, for even as the body is one, yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Did you know he just called you Christ? Did you know he just told you you make up the body of Christ? And he called us Christ? He's the head, we're the body. He called us Christ. He said there's many members, they all don't have the same function. He said they're all Christ though, one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. That means you, that means you're Christ. You're his hands, you're his feet. 
Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we are all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. The foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. It's not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. It's not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members of them, each one of them, in the body as the body member desired. God placed each member in the body as he desired. Well, that means I guess I'm a Christian wherever I am. I guess that's where he placed me. Oh no, you're wrong. You could be working someplace in his body and not be in your place. Because you have to find out what he called you to, not just the place you're functioning in. Well, wouldn't he have led me right into it? No. That's what I thought. No, he won't lead you into it. He'll try to lead you into it, but I mean by that he won't automatically just lead you into it. I mean you're going to have to get there on purpose. That means you're going to have to find out what it is. How am I going to find out where it is? Well, you're not going to find it in chapter and verse because there isn't one for your ministry. There isn't chapter and verse that I can point you to to talk and show you what you are called to. Now, God might use a chapter or a verse to show you what you're called to, which he did with me on one occasion, tried to get through to me by showing me this, some certain verses, spoke them to me, but I didn't get the picture. So there's more to it than just having the verse. You won't have a verse. How are you going to find out? Revelation of the Holy Ghost. I've had numbers of people that, that I knew they, what they were called to before they did. The Apostle Paul, uh, the Lord Jesus, appeared to him on his way to go arrest Christians. So what if every disbeliever said, well, when he appears to me, then I'll believe. I wouldn't wait on that because you might get it and you might not. But you're still obligated to believe the scripture, whether you get that or whether you don't. And so, yeah, if God uses prophecy to help shed some light what you're called to, great. But I wouldn't bank on that. I'd find out for myself and not worry about whether I got a prophecy or not. Great. Thank God for him. I'm glad if they do. I mean, I had the Lord speak to me about certain people as we had prayer lines and different things about what they're called to. Show me what they're called to. And sometimes your thinking can be you and your crazy head, but it can also be the Lord trying to get something to you. So it takes diligence in prayer to find out. And then let me just tell you, I am just talking about the finding out part. I haven't even touched the fulfillment part. You talk about fighting devils, to, to find out what it is, you will also fight them. It will not end the moment you find out. They will fight you to keep you from getting there. They will get you to act ugly. They will get you to disqualify yourself. They will get you to give up all kinds of things, which scriptures we will look at about Paul wrote Timothy and said that if any man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, useful to the master. So you could be unuseful, though called. And you could disqualify yourself because you didn't cleanse yourself of these things, what those things he was speaking of and other things. So God anoints and God provides his anointing, but you're going to have to do something for the qualifying. You're going to have to do something for the finding out. You're going to have to do the something to make it happen because it will not happen on its own. Anything you're believing God for, have you ever been fought by the devil on? Is there anybody in here who was believing God for something and they might have been fought by Satan? Or does everybody have it as easy as I do? 
No, you're going to be fought in your call. The devil's going to fight you and fight you and fight you and fight you. And if, if he can't keep you from finding out, well, then he's going to keep you from getting there. You know, okay, now you know you're supposed to go to that promised land. Great. Well, I'm going to make sure you don't make it. Are you with me? There is a promised land for each one of us, so you know. If you want some revelation on Old Testament scripture, a promised land in the Old Testament was all a type and a shadow of the new covenant callings that we would have. And there are different callings. Even under the Old Covenant, they had different callings. Your promised land is different than others. If you go back there and study that out, you'll find out that of the 12 tribes of Israel, they all, there was a promised land that they were to enter into. But this one got this territory. That one was to function over in this territory. And remember Joshua and Caleb? He, or Caleb, when he got to that mountain, he said, Hey, I guess I want, you know, this is, this is my bride. Well, fine, fine, that's right. Evidently, it was fine and okay with the Lord. So that's what he got. But the others had a different territory. There is a promised land, and even if you find out you have a promised land, he is going to fight you to keep you from getting there. Just to trust his cleansing blood. Just and simple faith. I hope you enjoyed today's message. The title of the message is Finding and Following God's Plan for You. If you'd like a copy, you can look us up on the web at mrcstl.org or Mark Slay. Dot org. That's M-A-R-K-S-L-A-Y dot org. Or you can call our office at 314-965-8488. 314-965-8488. Until next time, this is Reverend Mark Slay reminding you that God is your life. To the